Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. We know that some days are more challenging than others. That there are those days, those times of waiting when life seems to hang in the balance. For example, there are the days between a job interview and an offer, and life hangs in the balance between success and failure, a job and more seeking. Seniors in high school are living this time now between uh, application and acceptance to college, and also a time of waiting for a financial package, and life hangs in the balance. Which way will my life go, this way or that, to this college or that one? In the Sunday Bulletin, we pray for those who have been in the hospital and recovering, but I wonder whether the harder days actually happen before the hospital stay. The harder days may be those days of waiting between the test and the results and the time of wondering, will I know sickness or health, whether it be joy or sorrow? Some periods of time are just harder. It can be harder with a spouse or a dear friend and hard words have been exchanged, a fight or a disagreement and the healing has not yet happened and we wait and we hope but we're not there yet. Some days are just more challenging. I think that's what's going on in the Bible story today. The gospel reading begins with a reference to something that happened to six days prior. It says, now after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. We'll get to the transfiguration, but I want to uh, capture again what happened that six days before. Six days ago, J Jesus had a disagreement with Peter, a disagreement about the direction of ministry, a conflict of wills about what will happen. Six days ago, Jesus had taken the disciples aside to a retreat place in kind of a mid-campaign review. Who do people say that I am? What's going on? Peter comes to the insight, Jesus, you are the Son of God. He's right, but we also discover Peter is wrong. Jesus talks about what will happen in the coming months. He'll go to Jerusalem, he'll be arrested, tried, put to death, and then rise. And Peter cannot imagine how anything good can come from a cross or suffering or rejection. So he pulls Jesus aside. It can't be, he says. It was a moment where everything hangs in the balance and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He tells his best friend, Peter, that Peter is working against him, undermining God's purposes and what he's working for. And then he begins to say how the cross is the way of God, the way God will show the light of God's love. He talks about finding our life by losing our life, not being afraid of our own crosses, and that when we hold on too tightly to self-preservation, we may miss out on the deeper experience of God's life. And after Jesus speaks, the disciples are silent. It's now six days later. I wonder what those six days were like. I wonder whether the ministry of Jesus hung in the balance. I wonder how uncomfortable it all was. I wonder whether that conflict of that moment still resonated through the disciples. The struggle between light and darkness of hope and despair. Could anything good come from a cross? Can life come from death? Can anyone find life by losing it? Now, six days later, Jesus takes Peter and the others to a mountain, and on that mountain they have a vision of light from Jesus, and they hear an affirmation from God, this is my son, listen to him. The vision and affirmation are more pointed and real when we remember those days of waiting. 
The first reading from Peter reflects on that experience of seeing the light of God in Jesus. He says, So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place. I think that's really what this Sunday is all about, holding on to the light of God shining in a dark place. And what does holding on to the light of God look like? How many people came to Jesus and fell at his feet in the darkness of their illness and held on to him in the expectation of the light of healing? How often do the words of Jesus serve as a light for us? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are when you mourn, for you will be comforted. How often do the parables shine a light of God's way that counters our misguided darkness? the prodigal son and the forgiveness of God, the good Samaritan and the nature of love. How often do we need these affirmations from Jesus that he is the light of the world, the good shepherd, our living water, the resurrection, and our life? We've just concluded our last Renovari class with Marcy, reading a book on mature discipleship, learning what it means to give our life away, even as we might learn what it means to give our death away. That is to entrust everything, even our suffering and dying, to the light of God's love. Rollheiser describes or has ten commandments for mature living. He says things like this, Live in gratitude and thank your Creator by enjoying the life that you have. Be willing to carry more and more of life's complexities with empathy. Transform jealousy, anger, bitterness and hatred rather than giving them back in kind. Let suffering soften your heart rather than harden your soul. Forgive. Forgive those who hurt you. Forgive your own sins. Forgive the unfairness of your life and forgive God for not rescuing you. Bless more and curse less. Be wide in your embrace. Stand where you're supposed to be standing and let God provide the rest. I thought of those ways or those statements as a way of seeing the light of God even in the frailty of our human life. It's what holding on to the light of God might look like. Holding on to the light requires a certain vision of God because there's also the darkness. When you cannot see clearly the future or what's next, when it's natural to be worried and anxious, when hope seems distant, When uncertainty or change is more than we can handle, you need a vision of where the light of God is more than the darkness. Perhaps this is the promise of God's light, of what the light of God, and it's what we need even now in this moment of Marcy's retirement. For what will the future hold for us regarding spiritual transformation? No, we cannot replace you, Marcy, for you are one of a kind. So we must ask a different question. What will God's future be for us in a new way? What will it mean to bring this ministry of spiritual transformation to a new generation? Marcy, you provided a vision and a practice of spiritual formation that has been a steady and loving influence on us all. Now we must take that vision and practice and make it our own. And what will be our vision going forward, knowing that the answer will not lie in us, but we must learn to hold on to the light of God's promise and leading? And the promise of this transfiguration, we know this, that even in a moment of change, for you and for us, we hold on to the light of God's mercy and love. 
I've been thinking about how Jesus leads the way in showing the light of God and teaching us what it means to hold on to the light, to live in the confidence of God. For throughout his life, Jesus makes choices to hold on to the light. At the Last Supper, he'll make known to the disciples the darkness of the night that one will betray and another deny him, and yet he held on to the night. And he spoke of reconciliation and forgiveness and the purposes of God in that meal. Later that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus will pray for God for another way to avoid the cross, but then he concludes, not my way, but yours be done. And he gives himself to the light of God. In the arrest, the trial, the cross, Jesus will not resist, but his actions will show the power of God's forgiving light even in the dark recesses of the cross. And then in that final act of trust, Jesus will close his eyes and embrace the darkness of his own death, even as he holds on to the light of God all the more. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And God will not disappoint in the dawn of Easter. When Peter reflects on the meaning of Jesus, he doesn't so much talk about what Jesus said or even what Jesus did, so much as Peter talks about who Jesus is, that in Jesus we see the light of God and we see the power and hope of God. And in those moments of our deepest need, when it seems that darkness can overtake us, what we need is not a pep talk. We don't need one more thing to do. We don't need one more thing to say but we do need a vision. We need an affirmation, a confirmation of this truth that in Jesus there is the light of God and in him I might find my life. And whenever I find myself in that time when life hangs in the balance, I can hold on to the light of Jesus. That's really what we are doing this day, today, as we say thank you and farewell to Marcy Watson. We are holding on to the light. And we command you, Marcy, and ourselves to this light, for in the light of Christ we see God's mercy and power. In the light of Christ we see God's true and loving purpose. Or as Peter says, we have been eyewitnesses of his majesty. And you will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in the darkness. Amen.